welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. I'm so excited to be back with an episode that features not just my voice, but some of yours. Yes, I did get some takers to the wonderful SpeakPipe app that is on, uh, there's a link to, on my blog and on the site's webpage where you can submit any of your own questions in your own voices. So I think everyone was shy for a little bit, but recently I had several come in, so I'm so excited to feature those, plus a couple of other bonus Q&As and comments on this kind of potpourri episode. So remember, you too can leave your voice memo for me to feature on this podcast with any question relating to planning, organizing, even maybe an observation about a certain product that you've discovered. I'm happy to feature that as well. I would love to feature voices of, you know, all genders and people from different countries and walks of life. So please add your voice. It will just make this podcast that much more fun. (laughs) So without further ado, I will begin with the very first question, which comes from Melanie. Hi, Sarah. First off, thank you so much for creating such a wonderful podcast. I have so enjoyed binging all the content. I have a question I'd like to ask. And before I ask, I'm going to preface with this. Both my husband and I are pretty passion driven. Uh, What I mean by that is when we make decisions, we often go with our, our heart or our gut before we really use logic and think it through. That said, We have come to a place where we feel like we really need to start implementing some more organized systems. So my question to you is this, what are your tips and tricks for keeping you and your spouse connected um, with calendars or anything along those lines? At this point, I am the one that's really taking on a lot of the mental load as far as upcoming events, general home maintenance, things like that. And my husband and I agree that we would like to do a better job at sharing that mental load. And I think if we could have some kind of system where we both had access to it, it would make things a lot easier. So I would love your help on this. I love this question. What a passion-driven couple, but it sounds like they want to be a little bit more organized to ensure a reasonable division of labor. It also sounds like maybe there needs to be some discussion about mental load if she feels like most of it is currently hers. The first thing I have to say is that make sure this is a joint discussion. I know this is getting a little bit out of planning, but I certainly have some of my own experience in trying to learn how to share the load. And one of the most helpful resources I found was Tiffany Dufu's book called Drop the Ball that came out several years ago. There have been a number of books since, but I really love her positive tone and the way she tells the story of she and her husband trying to enumerate the things they did, and then both of them being shocked by how many that the other person was doing that they didn't even realize. So that was a couple that really figured things out, and you may want to learn some secrets for that from them as you are putting your system together. The two things I would think about putting together are, number one, a very tangible kind of system. It can be easy to ignore an app or a piece of paper that's kind of like, you know, hidden out of the way. But if you have a big whiteboard that's going to be in both of your faces, maybe in an area of the house where you or apartment where you're going to see every single day, it's a little bit harder to ignore. So I do think that as you are creating your division of tasks and responsibilities, putting them up so that both of you can see it and so both of you can be aware of important events and things to do would be a great idea. And if you do struggle with kind of assigning some tasks for him, that could be a place as a reminder where you might write like dinner on Friday 
he's cooking or whatever it is. So I do think having a whiteboard or some kind of tangible system is essential. I have used the whiteboards. Well, I currently use the whiteboards from Erin Condren, um, and I really like them. They are customizable, so you could do some, something that's kind of fun together. But I'm sure there are also many other whiteboard systems out there by different manufacturers with all kinds of different options. So that was the first thing, having some kind of tangible in-your-face system to share tasks and maybe upcoming events for the next few days. The second is to have some communication about how you are going to share events that are farther into the future that you need the other person to be aware of. My husband and I don't, you know, put little things on each other's calendars, but I do, we do use a shared Google calendar where if it's an event that we really need the other person to know about, and we use it pretty sparingly. So it wouldn't just be like an evening meeting, but if it's like a wedding that we're both supposed to go to or a trip that our family is going to take, we try very hard to get those on our shared Google calendar. And I, you know, on my phone, have like basically all of my calendars integrated into one. Plus by using the Google calendar, it will be linked to your email so that if he invites you to something, you will see that. So I do think having some form of shared digital calendar so you can always say, hey, I did send you that. It should have showed up on your calendar. This wedding is not a surprise can be helpful as you are trying to make sure everybody is kind of on the same page when it comes to upcoming events without having to, you know, nag repeatedly or wonder if somebody really has, you know, gotten the message about something that's coming up. Great question, Melanie. And as always, if anybody has any fun suggestions for her or things that have worked for them, I'm still looking for someone maybe who really enjoys the Cozy app. I know that's a popular one. I'd love to hear any further suggestions. All right, our second question comes from Erica from Ohio, and she writes, Hi, my name is Erica. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I had a question about planning while you're off. So I find myself using my planner rather efficiently while I'm working or during the work week. But when I'm off work on the weekends, or especially when I'm off work for a longer period of time, such as the time between Christmas and New Year's or when I'm on vacation, I find that sometimes I don't pack my planner or sometimes I don't have it on me at all times. My routines and rhythms are are very different than they are during the work week. And I'm curious how you're able to efficiently use your planner during the weekend and then also when you're traveling. I guess I should have said that she speaks instead of she writes as we got to hear her lovely voice asking her question today. So as she just said, she's looking for suggestions about planning during off days like weekends and vacations and doesn't always want to bring her planner around. So I personally do tend to bring my planner on vacation and I have it on my desk during the weekends. The weekends are easiest. I mean, it depends what kind of a desk kind of setup you have at home, but I would think that wherever your laptop tends to rest on the weekends, having your planner nearby will help you kind of keep it as part of your daily routine. However, I will note that using a planner on weekends and on vacations is certainly optional. I like to do that, but that doesn't mean that that's kind of the right answer. I think Beth, one of the first guests on this podcast, she has a blog called Parent Lightly. She came on and she actually, I think, abhors uh, planning out her weekends. So that's okay. If for you, it works better not to have a concrete plan on the weekends and you don't want to check off boxes then you do what works for you. And I say the more power to you. If you do want to make it part of your life, then really having the routine of bringing it home and having it open on your desk perhaps would help. 
Now that said, it doesn't mean that you have to do the same kind of planning on weekdays as you do on weekends. I tend to plan a lot less, honestly. There are still some things that I like to get done, like my workouts and other little rituals, but I'm not usually putting a whole bunch of tasks on my to-do list on a normal weekend. And I might use it a little bit more for memory planning, like even like, uh, you know, write a quote that a kid said or write down something that we did. I actually just impulse purchased a sticker printer. So I am hoping that on those more blank weekend pages, maybe I'll actually be able to take some of the pictures, turn them into cute little stickers and put those on the pages. So, you know, that would be a totally different way of using your planner on a weekend or certainly on vacation. That could be a fun way to do it so that it becomes more of a memory planning system rather than a forward planning system. If you don't want to have a lot of things, you know, scheduled for your vacation, then that would be a great option. But yeah, so I would say look at it flexibly in terms of how you might want to use your planner on vacation weekends. Remember that it is optional. And if you do want to use it, just be sure to have it around. If that means that you need a smaller system, not a gigantic brick that sits on your work desk, then I guess so be it. I find my A5 double volume Wonderland to be portable, like plenty portable for my purposes. I don't have to walk miles with it or anything like that. All right, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from this episode's sponsor, and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Yoga Studio Stillness and Movement. Stillness and Movement is a small virtual yoga studio that offers sustainable, mindful vinyasa flow classes to help students find steadiness and ease in their bodies and minds. Most virtual yoga is taught by a teacher who is on their mat, unable to see or hear their students, but that is not how they teach at Stillness and Movement. They feel they can best connect with and support their students if they can actually see them. So they teach with primarily verbal cues and their students appreciate that this moves the emphasis away from the aesthetics of a shape and towards the experience of the practice. At Stillness and Movement, they weave vinyasa flow movement practices with Buddhist teachings because they love the way sustained movement and deep presence complement each other. They combine awareness, breath, and vinyasa with somatic practices and functional strength training to fill the movement gaps left in our modern lifestyle. You can learn more and sign up for class by going to stillnessandmovement.com and take your first class for free when you use code. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Prep Dish. If you're headed into a busy spring, and aren't we all, I definitely think it's worth taking a look at what Prep Dish has to offer. I personally have been using Prep Dish for years now to plan our family's meals. It is truly so much easier and better than what I could come up with on my own. Every Friday, I receive a new weekly meal plan straight to my inbox. This includes an ingredient list, a prep plan, and all the recipes you need for the week. There are separate plans for gluten-free, paleo, low-carb, and super fast. And now they've even added a protein boost option. For years, we've been using the super fast menu as a scaffold for our weekly dinner plans. I love that I can easily make adaptations or substitutions if I need to, but also the recipes are genuinely really well thought out and truly taste great. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to check it out. So this is a great way to see if the plans will work for you. Check out PrepDish.com plans for this amazing deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com plans for your first two weeks free. If you try it, let me know. I'd love to hear about it. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane, and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. 
Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick, and what I'm hoping to wear all season, is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly, air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. BLP, which stands for Best Laid Plans. So again, that's code BLP, and you just might see me in a class. I took one, and it was such a treat. I am determined to sign up for more. It had such a wonderful community feel and just peacefulness to it that I encourage everyone to give stillness and movement a try. All right, we are back to our episode. Question number three comes from Jessica. So here you go. Hey, Sarah. I absolutely loved your recent personal finance episode, episode 32. A question I have about setting and sticking to budgets popped up at the end of February when I realized we had a really, really expensive month compared to where we had been during COVID. Our monthly spending significantly dropped with the onset of quarantines, like I'm sure many did. However, now with COVID numbers dropping in our area and increased vaccination rates nationwide, we finally decided to book some trips and ended up paying for expensive service providers that billed us for work at the end of 2020 all came due at the same time. The service provider things were loosely budgeted for, but the trips were not. My question is, how do you allot for big ticket items sneaking up on you all at the same time? Do you plan to budget for it throughout the rest of the year each month? It seems these snags are what keep me from staying on track with budgeting in general. Please help. Thank you. I love this question, of course, because she's asking about how I use my favorite tool, YNAB, or you need a budget. So she asks if I budget for big ticket items or how I handle it when some months are much more spendy than others. So I've used YNAB since 2014, which means I have much more of a handle on what my transactions look like and what the patterns are typically throughout the year. So given that, yes, that's exactly what I do. I know the big ticket things that come in and I know the patterns in which they come. So I have savings buckets for those specific items. For example, I know my car insurance is a decent sized bill that's twice a month. So I have a bucket in YNAB called car insurance and I put the amount of dollars, you know, per month that it would cost so that when the bill is due, I already have the bucket full enough that I can just pay and feel really non-stressed about that. I have other buckets for things like 
I don't know, different types of insurance that we have. And then also fun things like vacations. If you use YNAB for long enough and you're really paying attention to your patterns, it won't bother you if one month is spendier than others, as long as you are pulling from savings buckets that you have planned for. So that is how I handle it. I do anticipate those big ticket items with a fairly long lead time. And I definitely promise that the longer you use an app such as you need a budget, and again, there are others and there are many other methodologies, but the idea is that you will become much more familiar with the patterns in your spending and therefore will be better able to plan for big things. I also will put a plug that everyone should have some kind of catch-all emergency fund, of course, because there are things that come up that you can't anticipate. But at least if you have a healthy bucket that is for other miscellaneous, for example, when your, I don't know, child becomes unexpectedly sick and you have a much larger hospital bill than you thought or, you know, you need some kind of service that you never expected to need. But when you do, it's urgent. You have something to pull from. All right. So those were our three SpeakPipe submitted audio questions. That was so much fun. So I highly encourage more of you to send in questions in that format. I also have a few other questions and we'll just do one more of them today as well as a comment. So this question comes from someone whose tag name is Wombat Willie, which I feel like deserves a little bit of discussion in and of itself because that is a very unusual name. And this person writes, hi there, I'm enjoying your podcast. Thank you for sharing all of your planning insights. Here's a question for your podcast when you get a chance. I just repurchased Cal Newport's Time Block Planner and I enjoyed your interview with him but I'm not sure that this is going to be my forever way of doing his system. It's only 13 weeks and the planner quality isn't exactly the same as a Hobonichi. I'm really liking his system and want to continue with that if possible. Do you know of a yearly or semi-yearly planner that I could use for that without having to go through the trouble of setting it up myself completely? So he also writes extra details of the for the question. What he likes from the um, Cal Newport Time Block Planner is the weekly two-page spread. He would rather not have a weekly planner, but he likes the two-page weekly spread. Having daily pages, one for lists and metrics tracking, and one for time blocking, and that, that planner has two daily pages for each. And he said the size works really well, no smaller. Okay, so I have a couple of things to cons- to offer here. You did mention the wonder the um, Hobonichi in your question stem, so that means you're not averse to those types of papers. So I do think that the Wonderland notebook could potentially be adapted to this. Although reading this again, I saw that you were looking for a weekly layout as well. You would probably have to have the Wonderland planner and the notebook. But the reason I mentioned the notebook itself, and again, this probably doesn't have everything that you need, but I will say that the notebook pages are designed with a time going down one side, time blocks from, you know, one all the way to 24. And so, and the grid layout does lend itself toward time blocking very easily. I could see you putting in time blocks in one column that's maybe five or six boxes wide. And then just like Cal Newport kind of adjusts his timeline as things go on and you can use columns down the page, the the page has plenty of space to do that. So I know that would involve drawing some of your own stuff and maybe you're looking for less of that, but that is an option and you could always create a two-page spread with the daily notebook. It's just that if you are going to use two pages instead of one for each day, you would need one every six months instead of one per year. So that is one potential option, but you would have to get some kind of weekly planner that would be separate, either the Wonderland or something else. If you wanted something really portable, a good combo might be the Wonderland notebook and maybe the Jibun Techo weekly planner. Okay, so that's one. Another one, which I will mention, 
is the full focus planner. Actually, the full focus planner could be adapted really nicely for time blocking. It's very professional looking. There is a spread. I don't think it's a two page spread, but it's a one page spread with a week calendar. And then for each day, you do get two pages and I could easily see how you could use it to create both a time block as well as, you know, additional notes as Cal Newport's planner has. It might be a tiny bit smaller, but I think it might be maybe taller and just a little bit less wide. And actually, I think they may have different sizes now anyway. So that would be one to check out as I think it may have a lot of the elements you're looking for. It's very professional looking. Their paper is very nice. It's nice and thick. It really feels nice to write on. So that would be a good option. The Amplify Planner doesn't have two pages for each day, but it does have two pages for each week. And the daily pages have so much adaptable space on them that I do think they could be used for time blocking. And then finally, I'll mention the idea of perhaps adapting some kind of customizable insert or a binder. The Erin Condren has binder systems where you could get like eight by 11 pages that are daily pages that you could certainly adapt, but they do lean a little bit feminine and frilly. And I'm not sure with the name Wombat Willie whether you'd be happy with that or not. So yeah, those are some ideas. I would love to put this one out to our listeners as well. If you are using Cal Newport's time blocking methods, but you've adapted that to another established planner, I would love to hear about it. I will say I kind of have, but I don't I don't time block every single day because I find it kind of stressful. But I also see a lot of value in doing it that way. And I I should play a little bit more with with doing it on my especially busy days. So that was my answer for Wombat Willie, but please send in your suggestions as well. Finally, I'm going to share one uh, somewhat amusing comment that I got from someone named Zok, and it's a comment about speed. This person writes, thanks for the podcast. I enjoy it, although my wallet may disagree. Yeah, sorry about that. I know there's just so many wonderful products out there in the world. And then they wrote, Secondly, I just listened to the episode from 2.15.21, and you asked about people listening at 1.5 times speed. By default, I listen to podcasts at two times and then move up or down depending. You are one of the rare people I slow down from there. I only listen to you at 1.9x. Most of the time, I'm up to 2.2 or 2.3 times, which before you say that is crazy fast, I know a guy who listens at 4x. He can do an eight-hour audiobook in two hours. I'm super jealous of that person. I know that people who do not have normal vision actually uh, get really, really good at streaming and using the phone with audio cues at extremely fast pace. So that doesn't surprise me that you can do that. Our brains are incredibly adaptable. At the same time, I don't see myself going beyond 1.5 to 2x on a regular basis because I think it would just be a little stressful. I am kind of encouraged to know that I don't have to be, you know, slowed down and that I'm just a tiny bit hair slower on your scale than the 2 to 2.3x that you listen to most others. So I thought that was just a fun comment and I wanted to share. I will be back next week, most likely with some more product reviews. And I also have a lot of really, really fun guests coming down the pike. So stay tuned for that. I am just excited. Uh, There's so much to talk about that's related to planning. Um, And so I just keep the questions coming. And again, please leave me those audio questions. I would love to feature anyone who does that. You can always find show notes for these episodes on theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, and just click on Best Laid Plans and all the episodes with show notes are listed there. You can always contact me through my blog or use my email, which is uh, shoeboxblog at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at shoebox underscore plans or the underscore shoebox. 
Fun fact, since I've been sharing a lot less personal stuff on my Insta and um, I'm noticing that the uh, audience of my planning Insta is growing significantly faster than my personal one. So that's kind of funny. So if you're not following shoebox underscore plans, you can go ahead and join in now. Have a wonderful week and send in those questions. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.